right. Welcome back to the Fear and Trembling podcast. Hello, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's morning when we're recording, isn't yeah, it? It is. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, Although, good night. Like when we have a worship service at night, how often do you say... Uh, always. Good morning. <laughs> always. Yeah. Multiple times. Even well, when I served a church that had an evening service, I would say good, good morning. morning. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm trying to say happy Sunday if right. it's like on a Sunday. After I do it the first time, I've got performance anxiety and do it every other time in that service. There you go. <laughs> or, I, or I feel like the count from Sesame Street. Good evening. Good evening. Anyway. Wow. And on that note, we are a bunch of pastors <laughs> gathered around a table. <laughs> Uh, here at Heart of Like Ministries, I'm uh, Aaron. I'm the campus pastor for Watershed. To my left, I am Bill. I'm the campus ma- pastor at Celebration. I'm JB, campus pastor Fusion, and I'm Darwin, the executive pastor. The cat Hurrah. herder of all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> behind the curtain, right? Well, for our uh, podcast this month, for our book this month, we've uh, chosen Law and Gospel um, by Mockingbird Publications. It's a series of writers who have put this together for us, William McDavid, Ethan Richardson, David Zoll. Uh, we've read a book by David Zoll before, yep. Seculosity. Yep. Um, I think that that's one that is that definitely picked up a lot of traction for right. folks, yeah. talking yeah. about our enoughness. But uh, that kind of led us to this small book. Uh, if you've picked it up, it's a small book. But when you read it, you realize small books, while they seem easy, aren't so easy. <laughs> JB's lifting up his book and he's yeah. got more bookmarks than I think Bill has Kindle notes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Look at this. Just arbitrarily placed, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to make me look smart. Um, but they- this this book, Long Gospel, is interesting because we've already talked about some books that have touched our lives. Uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel, What's So Amazing About Grace, um, that have really touched on what is the gospel. And so in turn, um, they wrestle with what's the place of the law within the framework of the gospel. I think that's, yep. um, I think it's fair. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. But Mockingbird Production, uh, if you go to uh, publications, if you go to mbird.com, they do a lot of writing, um, a yep. lot of interchange of what is gospel and in society and culture. And so if you like kind of dabbling in culture and seeing how the gospel interacts, uh, mbird.com, Mockingbird. I heard uh, David speak at a conference one time. He had a great uh, handle on the gospel and on the Beatles. His whole presentation could weave in Beatles lyrics and time. Mbird generally has a great reflection on things going on in our larger culture. Yeah. And they have a couple of really good daily devotionals as well uh, that anchor us in grace. If you need to tell yourself the good news every day, uh, I would recommend either one of their devotionals. So anyways, we are here to talk about law and gospel. Um, So it was split into two parts. Law and gospel. Wow, hey, genius. (laughs) It helps set up the questions pretty well today, but uh, I'm just, I'm intrigued. What what intrigued you about their conversation on the law? Like what what grabbed your attention about what the law is or, you know, how we maybe understand it? Um, Yeah, what was it that grabbed, grabbed you, intrigued you? Well, I think one of the things for me was they kept not only 
the law and what I do, but how I approach the law, how the human heart with its um, propensity to, to try to use the law for my own ends. That part of it was pretty helpful. And, and I, I've really needed that in my own life. The law is good, but I tend to use the law for other purposes. And that becomes problematic. It, it was kind of helpful for me in that way. And I think you're hitting a nail on the head with that in terms of how they're wrestling yeah. with the law. Because my, my brain instantly was going towards kind of the threefold use. And, and I'd sum it up as going, yeah, it, it's a guide, it's a guardrail, and it's a mirror for us. Which, um, But I think in their conversation, by doing what you're talking about, Bill— it's focusing more on how do we tend to use the law right. versus how is it maybe intended to be used sure. by God for us. Right. Yeah. I, I was able to say, oh, yes, the law is good. It's a guardrail, but I'm staying inside the guardrail better than most people. Right. <laughs> and and suddenly the law becomes my own uh, approach to self-righteousness. I, sure. I, think, I think related— to that for yeah. me was this connection to the law and control. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so how the law allows us to control our destiny and control our compare all you know that just that connection to control and how we use the law um yeah to to do you have validate a, do you have a god complex JB? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our problem. I, am my own, I want to be my own guy. As people right. are listening in, they're like, yeah. "Dude, what are you?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. it so, goes back to the garden. Exactly. So there, so there are a couple of things that really jumped out to me on on their use of the law, and I, and that I found really helpful. I think first off, um, in a broader sense, he just he makes the observation on page twenty one: um, American Christianity is now in crisis. In large yep. part because people have marketed it as a religion of good people getting better, <laughs> when in fact it's a religion of bad people coping with their failure. Right. Yes. And right. so I think we've tended the law to use the law to say, you know, this is how you can get better. This is how right. you can be a better person. And Here's, if you don't obey, then there's consequences, and those consequences are not are not good. Um, and with I, that, Darwin, too, I think. It's how the church has also tended to explain God's use of the law. Yeah. Oh, yes. So he, right. he, he writes, and I, I really, um, this take me back to lots of what I called um, LSD talks when I was in youth ministry, the Love, Sex, and Dating series. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We've all done them. We've all done them. And I was thinking LSD, but... <laughs> we have not all done no, that. No, no, no. Let's just be clear. Let's keep it clean. No. <laughs> so uh, this is... Um, so what's interesting is he, he, he writes, God's law, on the other hand, is a static thing. Static. It's how you are to behave. It tells us what we should do and be in order to live in a peaceful and secure world. Okay? Law is defined by its effect rather than its intention. Right. And as I read that, I, I guess I started reflecting on all my um, – my LSD talks that were actually perfect examples of how not to use the law. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if I can confess a shortcoming in my years in youth ministry. No room for that here. No. <laughs> is, is I don't think I did a really good job at helping young people learn how to make good decisions in that environment, in that setting. 
I didn't help them learn how to navigate the emotions and the feelings and the cultural messages. I just said, ignore all this and be this way. Yeah, right. Perform. Do and, this. Perform. Don't and I do think that. what you're saying leads to a lot of he the, he talks about on 21. I have that same paragraph. Like, right. Yes. And marked for today. Um, the idea that we can always improve ourselves and attain our goals is not a harmless misconception, but instead lies near the root of much burnout, disillusionment, resentment and religious uh, recession. And right. I think I mean, because I'm guilty of the same. Right. It's easy to use the law to try to make you a better person, person sure. instead of helping you understand how to make better right. decisions. And, and for youth ministry, it's about control because that was kind of the expectation of parents. Like, right. I'm sending them to youth you. group so they don't right. do LSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both meetings. Right. And I want to control my kids, right? Right, right. Yep. I want to control but, their But life. I want you to think about this, that, that we're talking about biblical law here, but... It's also mirrored in a cultural narrative. Yeah. So think about quiet yes. quitting. Mm. Think about the burnout that people are experiencing, that that the culture has its own set of laws, yes. we could put it in quotation marks, yes. that are as, I don't know what word to use. Oppressive. They're oppressive yeah. as the misuse of the law in, in the scriptures. Yeah, and they talk about the capital L law, right. which is right. God's law, and the lowercase l law which are the things of our heart or our culture, culture and yeah. they're just as pressing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, parents are thinking, I, I, I resonate with this thing. They, they're not listening to me, so I'm sending them to you, but we're both on the same team to get them to, to reach 21 without damaging themselves. Okay, so I have, to tell, I have to tell— performance, performance, yeah. performance. <laughs> I got to tell a story. Okay, this is a great— Uh-oh. So um, I was invited, I won't say what church or anything, to do a talk on the LSD series. And I laid out. With Do they the, seriously say LSD? I always called it. That. Oh, okay, Sorry. I just so JV struggling along with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember it's an ex hippie thing. So, so I remember um, I sat down with a youth worker and I kind of spelled out I was going to do this alternative approach, and um, I was going to try to do what I how I thought it ought to be addressed, not how I had been taught to address it. And so she said fine, and then um, I said you probably should let the elders know. And so she did. And like five elders showed up for this youth talk. And and so we got done and, and a couple of them come up and, you know, said thank you. And and I remember looking at them and I said, I'm really glad you're here. But if I was giving a talk on justification or repentance, would you be here? Would you be just as concerned about that as you are about what I'm talking about tonight? Yeah, getting that right. Getting that right. And they kind of yeah. looked at me like what are you talking about? So, yeah. right. <laughs> what did what did what you just say mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it was just it was an interesting you know in, set in the sense that if we look at that lowercase law, yeah, um, how to what lengths we will go to protect it, even when it's not helpful, because yeah. it helps us feel in control, it helps us feel safe, it helps us feel secure. Yeah, we're finding a security, a control in our performance to that lowercase l, and it'll never work. Yeah. Um, Worst case scenario, it works for a little while. You get proud about it or you get defeated about it. But sooner or later, often at the worst conceivable time, that falls apart. Right. Mm. And we need something from dun-dun-dun. 
outside, <laughs> an announcement of good things done. So they're helping us understand the law as a me- how we use it as a measurement. We're right. using it as a measurement tool, as a control, yep. uh, as right. another word, accusation. Is what, right. it, is what it turns into. Right. And then um, one of the things that I also appreciated is how it leads us to a death, right? Mm-hmm. A death of the old Adam in us, yep. um, a death of our own kind of pursuing ourselves. Um, now, within the law conversation, I'm wondering if you found anything kind of missing in their, in their reflecting on what the law is or... Is there something that you go, you know, or even that you disagree with where you're like, you know, I, I wouldn't quite go there or I don't know if I find that helpful? I've found benefit in the law. Typically, reform folks would talk about that third use in terms of knowing where to pray and ask God for power. Uh, I see in the law what God wants to do in me and what where his grace will be at work. And I don't know that they ever got to the uh, that sort of benefit where I can see something in the law about God and have confidence, discernment, a sense of that's where God wants to work. And so I need to seek him for that, seek him for that outworking of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the idea of the law as a, a, a map for my prayer, a guide for where I would go and what I would ask, um, didn't didn't seem to be there, the positive kind of thing. Not what must I do, but what can God do in me? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I think that's where I I found missing that whole conversation around it as a guardrail and yeah. a guide, and I think for I mean so much of it they're trying to help us, and again this is my opinion, but they they're trying to help us avoid the works righteousness, right? The works based salvation. They're trying to speak into a church that is very much dominated by just you know Jesus may have saved you, but man. It's really all on, you know, right. whereas yeah. he, he paid the price, but now it's all on you to stay right. in that. Yeah. It's all on you to get better in, in their fear of that. And, and I, I'm projecting on that, a fear of that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Their experience of that is, keeps them in a way of, of misunderstanding the law in its positive yeah. form of God going, I still have standards. Right. I still have a direction. I'm still going to speak into to guide you, to help you see not only what's going on in your own life, but that there's a kingdom out there that isn't that doesn't look like this world. Right. Yeah, and it, it has the shape that I've given it, the Lord would say, not what you feel, not what you want to make it. Right. You can get some insight into your own heart confusion. Yep. So I think they get there, though. That's a funny thing. Okay. Um, I understand why they didn't do the three uses of the law. I don't think that's their intent. I don't think they're writing a theology of the law in, in Reformed tradition. Um, I think <laughs> right, they're right, basically yeah. looking at how law functions, from their perspective, how law functions in, in our lives and in our communities from a much more kind of experiential— Yeah, pastoral. Um, I, I want to say yep, phenomenological, practical. but I won't. Um, <laughs> say what? <laughs> um, Using big words. Yeah. <laughs> I need um, a button that like gives some kind of big word time. <laughs> so I, I think what you're after, they get to, because they— um, I think they think that the only way you can properly understand the law in its positive role is through the lens of the gospel. 
Sure. So, so I think where we expect, you know, we may expect them to say, okay, here's here's how we experience the law. Here's the positive uses of the law in contrast to the way that we're using it. I think they kind of get there. We may not agree their total understanding of that, but I think they kind of get there through their discussion of the gospel because I think they would say, correct me if you think I'm wrong, because I know you will, um, <laughs> um, that you can only properly understand the law through the lens of the gospel. In the same way that in the sure. Old Testament, I think you can only understand the Old Testament law through, um, well, through the Christian narrative, but through Abra- through the words to Abraham, he believed God and it was credited in righteousness. Yeah. Well, and through covenant. Yeah, right through yeah. through an everlasting a God, a yeah. God who is merciful and kind and just and patient. And, yeah. yeah, but it's from that God side, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's where I think. I mean, I still think they they tend to hang out in the in the mirror side of it in the our yeah. need for the gospel and and we'll, in in terms of I'll get to this in a, in a little while as well of like just missing their understanding of sanctification right. right in in reformed tradition we tend to on a broader scale tend to believe that Christ has not only justified us so you know mm-hmm. declared us right right um but also has sanctified us calvin called it a double grace right so he's sure. also made us pure so we're pure and holy as well as right Legally, so it's an outward and an in inward f- fullness that we have one hundred percent in Jesus, right? In the rest of our lives, we're getting used to that, right? Exterior and interior move, and I think they're really good. I mean, again, I, I want to, yeah. and and it goes back to uh, Bill what you said at the beginning that I'm still. If I go back and read again, I might actually be even more like. If I've re- I've read it a couple times sure. now, I think three times, and I'm <laughs> that's what happens when they're short books, <laughs> um, dense. Yeah, but it, of going, my use of the law definitely frames their conversation much more of the what's a, a theological understanding of the law, right? Is, if I'm mm-hmm. making any sense, but yeah, it, it's this sanctification part. They they'll lean into a theologian, Gerhard Ferdy. They're they come from a more Lutheran background. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lutheran Gerhard Ferdy was a particularly Lutheran voice. Right. Um, but he, he would say sanctification is just getting used to your justification. And, and, and it leaves out any sense of my actual transformation then means you don't join in God's work of the Spirit at all in your life. You just wait for it to happen to you. Right. It's a very passive right. Um and and I I just don't believe that, yeah. right? And they tend to kind of fall more in line of it'll yeah. happen to you if you just right find yourself in it. So yeah, I, I'm I guess I'm I'm still looking for a little bit more. I don't disagree with you, yeah. Darwin. Um, but it's yeah, it's there, but it's just it doesn't get there enough when I when I label the book right. Law and Gospel. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think it's. I'm gonna to try to give them a bit of a doubt a little bit here, but you know, um, I'm sure you'll tell me if why, you would think I'm wrong. why would we do that? Why would I do that? Because <laughs> because I've written before and like, <laughs> right, like, we haven't talked I, about this with and, any and other there, books and either. There, and there's there's that whole sense in which you know when you write, 
you can only say so much. Right. Exactly. And, and people Correct. come to the right, to, to the reading with expectations. <laughs> and this is also true when you preach. Shoot, you man. Know, <laughs> they come with expectations like, well, why did you deal with that? Why didn't you deal with this? I have 20 minutes. I have 15 pages. Um, so, But I do yeah. think yep. I do think what's interesting here is I don't know if they're going all the as far as you would like them to go. Right. With right. the gospel. Yeah. I, I think they're trying to, to give us a foundation. Now they do in the they have a couple of appendices or something read on yeah, those where they try to go there. I don't think they get there well. Right. Um yep. I have some of the same issues that you have with them. Um but I think that at a really basic level, they want us to understand how the law functions. Yep. And they want us to understand how the gospel um addresses addresses the problems that the law itself creates. I think the book Seculosity, which we read earlier, sure. then builds on this and says, this then is how you should, to use the terms of Francis Schaeffer, this right. then is how you should, how you should live. live. Sure, sure. That's so there's a, there's a connection here. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, think do, I do agree with your comments on, on the role of sanct- on sanctification, and we can go down that road if you want. It, no, I mean, that's okay. I, I, I think what you're saying is actually hitting it. I, I probably would have liked them to go further. Right. Um, and again, I can concede where they where they went because they're dealing really with this thing called justification. I right. in in going, we need to be free. We're never gonna do this on our on our own. Right. We need Jesus. Right. Yeah. Um I mean as as they say, perhaps it's enough to say that the law reveals that we need to be forgiven. Yep. The gospel announces that we have been forgiven. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and um, so speaking of that, the gospel, right? Sure. What what did you find intriguing in their conversation on the gospel? Well, I was fascinated by their statement on grace. I like okay. it, but it, it's just an interesting reminder. Grace, it turns out, is fundamentally unfair and therefore offensive. Page fifty three, if you have a copy, yep. it makes no allowance for what we feel or anything else. Or anyone else are owed. It just turns it fundamentally unfair and therefore offensive. Yeah, yeah. I, and gosh, that's just a good reminder. Yeah, and and if it's not unfair, then we need to realize we're not really preaching it in its strength. It's God has taken this sin through no goodness on our part. Right. And on that same page. Um, I had highlighted, you might say then that the chief offense of the gospel has nothing to do with morality. It has to do with control. Here you go, JB. Control being wrenched out of our clutching hands with the last being first and the first last. And then he mentioned Brennan Manning. So, you know, I got to like like that. (laughs) You know, and and, and he goes, Manning calls it a vulgar grace is indiscriminate compassion. You know, and again, that kind of language that goes breaks us out of the norm, a- out of church mode. Let's yeah. be honest yeah. about it. At church yeah. mode, so, but, it, but it changes the conversation. So, oh, gosh, yeah. When you when you focus on morality, are you keeping the rules or not? Um, that's really easy. It's really black and white. Um, but when you go to where they're pointing, then the question becomes: Did you not? Did you keep the rule? Are you being moral? But why are you making the decisions that you're making? 
what are the needs? What are the motivations of the yeah. heart? And and are those needs best being met the way that you're choosing to meet them, mm-hmm. or are they better met in the way that better met in the gospel, sure. where, where Jesus can satisfy them? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's a very different conversation. I mean, I would have to say that again. I can go back to youth ministry error and other errors of my own ministry. Um, I focused on obedience to the law when I should have been mo- work, wrestling, helping someone wrestle with the motivation of the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when we, when we all when it, all those conversations got said and done, um, we just spent hours and hours and hours talking past each other. Yeah. Because they could look at me in the eye and say, "Oh, well, yeah, I know the law. I know the moral. I shouldn't do that." But there was still a need that wasn't being met. And I, I thought this there is this uh, word picture that they used on page seventy three that just really resonated. It's the the image of you know you fall off an ocean liner and oh, they yeah. they throw a life preserver down to you and you're you're just about to drown and you at the last moment grab onto the life preserver and they pull you back onto the ship and finally when you come to what would it be like if you were like man did you see how I grabbed a hold. Of that life preserver, yeah. and you start talking about how strong <laughs> right. your grip right. was, and, yeah. yeah, and just that illustration of—that's the comparison of look at how amazing I was, I am right. at following the law. When the reality, I just thought that that—that's yeah. that's that, a great summary of the book. That yeah. just yeah. harassed right. it. Right. Like, wow, that resonated. Like, how yeah. Yeah. how silly do we must sound to God when we're pointing yeah. at our obedience to the law or you know when, when we're sure. when we're off track and the point of that of course was was gratitude yeah. which is a posture of of the heart as yeah. a, you know yeah. wow what has jesus well, humility done? gratitude yeah. is humility i can't do this on my own yeah right two fruits of the gospel they yeah. they say right yeah I mean, gratitude so. and humility bill you're 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 kind of itching to say so oh, i can see oh, it oh, in oh, you oh, so oh, well, <laughs> jb touched that image and that was a highlight of the book i also okay maybe we're recording this around Christmas, and um, they touched the illustration with Santa Claus. And oh, man. Oh, the yeah. thing within us <laughs> yeah. that always wants to perform right. by the law. The Santa, Santa Claus is not actually a giver of gifts. Don't do it, Bill. Like, Don't do it, Bill. <laughs> he's in the business of doling out reward and punishment. Oh. You know, um, as we all know, oh. any gift premised on deserving is not really a gift at all. It's more a paycheck or an act based in reciprocity rather than generosity. We all know that nice children get good toys, naughty ones get lumps of coal. See, that's always operating within us when we go to the law. Look what I did. Give me the good toys. So so I got to say on that, we were watching Arthur Christmas um, the the other night and... uh, one of the elves who's doing Santa's job, yeah, right? Yeah, if you haven't yeah. seen the movie, but uh, it, this kid is like borderline good, bad, right? And it shows up on his as they scan every kid. Oh. <laughs> it says bad, <laughs> and then he scans the the elf scans himself to bump him over oh. to good. <laughs> and I was like, hey, there's a message that of grace is- in there, <laughs> you know? Like, like okay, because. That phrase like has jacked up all of my movie watching this Christmas season. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, Santa, you're just evil. <laughs> well, Santa becomes again, this reflection of we're going to set a standard for performance. We're right. going to ask you to live up to it. We're going to reward it. 
The heart is just looking for that. Oh, yeah. And so right. the idea of that. a rescue. You better watch out. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's making a right. list. He's checking, checking it. Checking it twice. He's actually scanning the list to get it right. Who's not? Well, actually, right. he's using AI oh. now. Yeah. Yeah. He's really creepy, too. He sees you when you're sleeping. Oh, <laughs> he put his guy? elf on your shelf, man. He's, <laughs> he's checking. But as a parent of young kids, boy, that oh, that's so tempting because oh. the control, man. Right, there's a level of, oh, man. and again, that's where I think I kept yeah. inching for their some of their help to go a little. For, how where is the place of having the guardrails in there to yeah. to to clearly understand there is good, there is evil, there is there is right. still <laughs> right and wrong. There's still and in a. And and I'm kind of nudging us into where the missing, you know, and I, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's it's that piece that goes. The gospel is so much more than even just our justification. It is right. also our sanctification, yeah. you know, and it will do a sanctifying work in us as a result of Romans eight, the Spirit of God at work in us. So if we lose the we lose the law, we also lose part of God's help to us to understand some of those guardrails, right? And 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 so it tempers some of it. It inserts or maybe better, it inserts a tension necessary that the you know, gospel is freedom, but it's also not a license. Yeah, it it's not freedom for us to define. I mean, there are consequences and the law helps us understand those consequences. Right. Put your head your put your hand on a stove, you will get burned. But this whole uh, arithmetic of consequences is just not the gospel. Right. 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 The gospel blows up that arithmetic and then lets you be empowered to live. Yep. Yeah, in, these boundaries are life. here to help yeah. you. Like yeah. I want to help we I don't know if we always see that from God of right. God oh, wanting yeah. to help. This is gospel. God wants right. to help us. Yeah, and to me, all you, you know, are burdened and heavy laden. Right. Yeah. But I think that I think the interesting thing here that that struck struck me, and and I'm thinking out loud. At least sure. Just, well, here, is that in in the particular tradition that we're part of, um, we have we have tended to emphasize justification. Mm-hmm. We 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 have not because it's reform, right? It's we, out reform, of the ref. Re- that's re- at the heart of reformation. reformation. But we've not. Um, We've not invested the same amount of um, energy into sanctification and, yep. and studying the, the doctrine. That's and it, spiritual that, transformation. That, that spiritual transformation. Yeah. And, and that if sanctification is a state, we are declared holy in Christ. It's also a Absolutely. process. Yep. It's a process that I um, I describe as a dying to oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to reflect on it yeah. being more internal. Yeah, or the formational piece that being found in, and and what does it mean to be formed by, um, and that sanctification works itself out in a transformed lifestyle, sure, transformed way of being in the world. And you're exactly right to point to the heart of this vision, this mission we talk about, the internal work formed by, right, and then it bears fruit in the following of that form. that, That internal work is is. It occurs in individuals, but it it's also occurs within community, and that part of being in community 
is learning to talk about and to share the sanctifying work of the Spirit in our lives. Right. How, sure. is, how is the Spirit at work? How is the Spirit shaping us? Where in my life um, am I being resistant to the movement of the Spirit? Yeah. Um, how can I invite others to walk alongside me in those struggles? Um, that's the community aspect. Yeah. And oh, and that, and it's that one spirit at work in say a hundred different people. Right. It finds its unity and power in the spirit at work. It's it finds its variety of expression by the different people and the way he shapes them and forms them. I, and I just think that that inner versus outer, there's something there because the law is a focus on the the outer right. yeah. work. And you can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons, right? Uh, you know, see our history, right? Yeah. <laughs> As the church, uh, yeah. Um, and I, there's something that's resonating, yeah. Well, and that's where I think when when I look at those two theological terms of justification and sanctification, it's coming from different places, right? right? Justification is we're waiting for a declaration from something outside of us to come upon. To, right. to do this work for us, whereas sanctification is something that starts by a spirit that transforms us from within, right. working itself out. And so it's this whole, like, it, again, you know, it's like if I could draw it, it'd be this 3D, 4D, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like but, inward, outward movement that's that's got no real... It's that tension between sanctification being both a state and a process at the yeah. same yep. time. Sure. sure, And that doesn't fit our logical categories very well. Yeah. And so our tendency is to, to want to focus um, on control and to focus on the law. If I behave in certain ways, then I'm testifying to the fact that I am sanctified. But behavior, as JB reminded us, thank you, JB, um, doesn't always reflect the interior life of the person. My motivation can be all wrong. My desire can be all wrong. I can do the right things, but my my desires can be askew. And what the gospel right. does is it meets us at the at the point of desire, which you means know, that— What do we love? What do we love? Right. Yep. And, and what is my work doing? I'm joining in with the Spirit's work right. in my life. I'm not— Doing it out of a, a false sense of you know my salvation. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to right. just do it because somebody said go do it. You know, I'm not and, looking for reward or payback. Right. So they they end talking about fruits of the gospel, and I I thought it was interesting because it wasn't your typical fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Right. Um. And I kind of want to close our conversation off with, and we've leaned into it a little bit, humility and um, gratitude, but I just wanted to touch in more on, was there something in their list of, uh, here, I'll even, I'll, I'll tell you what they, um, what they are. Humility, receptivity, gratitude, love, spontaneity, humor, freedom. So I'll say it one more time. Humility, receptivity, gratitude, love, spontaneity, humor, freedom. Were any of those that just like went, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad they, in that I never think about that. I don't think about humor much. I mean, yeah. as a, as a, as a fruit in the way that they're describing it, yeah. but I see why they get there. Yep. I do think that it's interesting and it wasn't really clear to me in their writing. It may, if they were sitting here, they may say, I just didn't read careful enough. 
Yeah. Um, but I think all these things um, play off of each other. Yeah. In other words, yeah, they're sure. not. They're not. Um, they're not. Uh, I say disconnected. So my view of humor, I'll pick on that one, um, actually requires me to have some humility. Yeah. To step mm-hmm. outside how I see things and how I experience things. Um, but I and I think it's pretty yeah. interesting because we live in a pretty um, humorless world right now. Yeah. That when someone cracks a joke, it's interpreted as a statement of fact or a statement of position. Um, our ability to step outside ourselves and make fun of ourselves and laugh is not a um, cult, a strong cultural attribute at this time. Yeah. I miss Seinfeld <laughs> in the office. <laughs> well, and I, I'm going to pick on humor as well because I think so often my humor is pretty self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah. But it's the gospel allows me to laugh. Right. Allows me to – when I was with my friends at Lark and uh, Table Network, you know, we were writing on some of the fruits. And, mm-hmm. and I think they're – Zal's writing, Mockingbird's writing influences Tony and Ross, my friends there, a lot. But uh, humor was one that we included because it was like, yeah, it almost in a way reminded me of Joker saying to Batman, why so serious? You know, like, <laughs> it, because it does, it allows us, and that connects to freedom. It right. connects to this receptivity of grace to go, man, if I can if I can't laugh at myself, if I can't see what sin really is in, I mean, some of my own just stupidity and ignorance and mm-hmm. like, then I don't really understand how good God right. actually is. And, and actually that humor comes out of this. It, something comes f- so much other than me that has rescued me in a, a deep love that goes, I can laugh at myself because I know I'm loved. And, and I'm, and and with that, sorry, to no, interrupt it, but um, I think it comes from humility, but also this confidence mm-hmm. that I am loved, you know. And 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 yeah. and yeah. even I mean, there's a self-deprecating humor, but we have this good family friend, and uh, we w- would say like, if he's if if he's not giving you a hard time, <laughs> then you're probably not in his good grace. Like, you can tease people and joke with people right. who know you love them, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. something about humor that's also, I don't know, like it's it's rooted in like in love that mm-hmm. when it's done well. I mean, you can yeah. also just crudely and just right, right. tear people down, but there's a yeah. form of humor where we can joke with each other and we can tease one another and we can laugh because we know that there is this love. Yeah, um, yeah there's no performance us. necessary. Yeah. There's no posturing. There's no, yeah. you know, you don't have to be something you're not. We tease, I can tease people I love, and they're okay with it. If we're secure in our love, yeah. you can point out to me how I'm bragging about holding on to the rescue ring. Yeah. Yeah. And I can realize that, yeah. the irony of it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> think I'm something because I held on to the rescue ring. And that security lets me see irony and humor and those right. sorts of things. Yeah. Any other any of the other fruits grab your grab your heart, grab your attention? I I was still struggling to get past. It's fascinating to me, Paul and Galatians, it's the fruit singular of the spirit. It's one tree with many apples. And so the looking at the fruits these different things that play out. Okay, okay right, I kind of, right. I kind of get it, but I kind of, I kind of don't. I don't, I don't, I get it, but I don't think they're after, yeah, the biblical fruit. Yeah, I think they're trying to say here are some practical ways 
that this, we think this might work out. Oh, you're kind. That's a and, fruit of the spirit. That, and I and I would say I think as we read these books and in this podcast, right, the average person listening in aren't like theologic. We're we're theologically we're always paying attention very closely. Like, and this is a fault of my own of going. Sometimes I'm looking at things, and even this book is a case for that, right? I'm yeah. looking for more. You didn't, right? So I, I become more measuring. Yeah. Um, Versus, I, I bring my sense of the law uh, to the book, right? Right. Oops. Yep. And and so I, I guess in a way, this conversation, even that, right, makes me go. Whereas yeah. most folks may just be, yeah, no, the fruits, right, and can receive what they're saying so much better right. than we can because we're so much more geared at the law, right? And, right. And it is. Uh, so they, yeah, maybe there's some. Maybe I'm I'm confessing well, right here. We, <laughs> We all struggle with this. Yeah, I mean, this is oh, the thing. It's the yeah. inclination of the heart. And my confession is, as a parent of a nine-year-old and five-year-old, like, I just want them to behave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and sometimes, how do I get that interchange? Right. I, it's all about my own control. Well, my and sometimes we, we had a tough weekend. So <laughs> they, come. they come, but it's I want them to behave so they don't hurt themselves. I have a feeling, right. you know, that's a yeah. loving thing. Yeah, but but it's is. still not the gospel. Sure. I will well, say this that this book has the most aesthetically pleasing cover of anywhere yeah. so far. There you go. It's very minimalistic. The, so I yeah, minimalistic. And ah. the, the threads between the, threads, the, law, the law and the gospel. gospel. Yeah. So. so uh yeah, law and gospel, uh, mockingbird publications, David Zoll. I've gotta open it because I gotta you know, this is where it's hard when you're not crediting people properly. You know, David Zoll's last because I think his name falls yeah, last. Yeah, man. He's been the last <laughs> but, his whole uh, life. William McDavid, Ethan Richardson, David Zoll, Law and Gospel, A Theology for Sinners and Saints um, by Mockingbird Publications, Ember.com. Um, next time, we're going to dive into, we're coming back to, I think this is, is this the final book of our of our life-shaping books. Darwin brought Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Tell us tell us more. Okay, so um, great book, great book. Um, first encountered this book, are you ready? Um, in 1981. Oh, I was born. Uh, <laughs> and um, I and, was not. And was assigned this book as part I'd of— I'd already read the book. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, was assigned the book as part of a wilderness leadership course. Um, uh, a course designed to teach um, individuals to lead outdoor high adventure trips. So that was my first encounter in that context. Um, it was a 28-day trip um, and to reflect on. And, and the book uh, for me was um, life, life-shaping and life-informing. Um, it is um, a – I don't know quite how to describe the book because it doesn't fit in any really weird – Fit in categories. In one sense, it's a memoir of Viktor Frankl's experience um, in the concentration camps during the Second World War. On another hand, he uses that experience and within this memoir to set forth um, his view of psychology um, and his, yep. his view of suffering. Um, it's a very existential view, um, and it's also known as the Third Viennese School of psychology. Mm. Um, so it is. it has a following. I think what's really interesting, um, Bill sent me an article from Vox um, the other day that this has the become website. a yeah. popular yeah. self-help book. 
Um, and I'll just say this right up front because we're going to have to talk about this. It can only become a popular self-help book if it's removed from its context. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and so the book is weighty. It's heavy. If you read it, um, the first half, um, it's like you just want to go cry somewhere. Um, it's just heavy. Yep. Um, but I think there's some things in there that are really helpful that I have continued to find helpful in my life. There's things in there that I just fundamentally don't agree with. Um, so it's a it's a nice mixture um, of things, and I think we'll have a fun discussion surrounding it. You you awesome. read it and you come out better for it on yeah. the other side. Yeah. yeah, you'll you'll be better for it. Yeah, yeah. You said one of the in a really interesting thing. It's a really easy read in the fact that it keeps you in. Yeah, it's a great it's a narrative. R- it's a great story. Yeah, really difficult read because but, you dive into the depths of human, just utter human experience. Human experience. Yeah, have fun. Well, gentlemen, thanks uh, again for this conversation. It reminds me um, how much we need each other in life and how much we need tables in our lives to be able to talk about books, life, our faith. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast, right, right. is to work out our salvation in, with fear and trembling. Um, we need each other. And uh Continue to be blessed by our conversations. It's it's a joy to be able to dive into some books together. I think in the future we may even possibly dabble in some other media. Yeah. Um, so look out for that. But uh, again, today we've we've talked about law and gospel. Next next time we're going to be talking about Victor Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you dive in with us, uh, we'd certainly encourage you, dive in with some others in your life uh, to have these kinds of conversations. And I pray uh, that you can you can have somebody in your life. And if you need somebody, you're at Heart of Like, you're in our neighborhood, um, come find us. Um, we'd love to chat with you, grab a coffee with you, share life with you, because um, that is definitely a a gift of God to us to not be alone. Hardawake.com. Hardawake.com. And <laughs> what's the podcast website? Fear and, tre- Fear and Trembling Podcast.com. Dot com. Oh. <laughs> uh, again, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. And hi, Zach. I'm Darwin. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Zach, our former producer. Oh, Zach, we miss you, man. <laughs> and uh, I believe when you're hearing this, Happy New Year. Yeah, uh, yeah. We pray that the holidays have been good to you and uh, that God's light is shining in your life. God's yeah. peace be with you.